0: Bum, bum, bum. There you go. Carry on. Are we at war with Russia, Joe? Are you and me? No. Well, that's, that's oh, I don't think you're ready. No? No, I don't think you've been doing the preps. You were just talking about your shirt being a bit too uh, ah, come small on. for you. Like you know. Don't
1: embarrass me. For that, <laughs> we just got through Christmas. I don't know if you're combat ready. And you're but how does, like the shirt's too short on the arms, but that's not the punch's fault. That means you're shrunk in the wash.
0: Right, okay, right. That's your get out clock. All right. You can be at war with Russia then. Okay. Well, everyone else is getting your tanks. Ready. Do
1: we get in a tank? Huh? Do we get a tank?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a septic
1: tank. What if the Russians come over all the way over here? Yeah. At the very least, we should get helmets. Yeah. You know, I like those. Calendars. Yeah. <clears throat> those World War II ones they were handing out in, in Kiev. Yeah. You know, with the nice... <clears throat> Brim, yeah, sort of German look. Yeah,
2: um, yeah.
1: So, what was the question? Look, it's it's rhetorical. Are we at war with Russia? And then, of course, sub question: Who the hell is we, Western man? Yeah, that's because. Um, well, the thing that's provoked the thought, the question for me was the kerfuffle over the German foreign minister's statement. Yeah, um, let's play it. It's in English. She, she's in. I presume she's in Brussels or Berlin. Probably Brussels, hence it's in English, so more people can understand. It's very clear to me what she said and what she meant, but uh, it's spurred a little bit of a debate in the West this week as to whether or not we are actually fighting a war against Russia. Mm -hmm. But she she knows what, she's convinced that we we are. So let's hear it. It won't open let um, hmm? I me mean, one of them I, I sent it to you Scott didn't I? did you get it okay well um, we've got Baerbock saying yes we're Russia. Sure. There, then there's something else that was uh, also in English some NATO representative was interviewed by DW Germany's mm-hmm. e- English language paper he said he agreed. We are. He didn't quite. He kind of went along with it. Um, it was suggested to him by the interviewer. We can listen to that too, I think, in a minute. Is is Twitter not opening or playing for us? Okay, coming along. Um, my sense... German FM said, Yeah, we're, we're Russia. France immediately came out and said, No, no, we're not. Okay, let's not listen.
3: And therefore, I've said already in the last days yes, we have to do more to defend Ukraine. Yes, we have to do more also on tanks. But the most important and the crucial part is that we do it together and that we do not do the blame game in Europe. Because we are fighting a war against Russia and not against each other. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Minister.
0: Sounds like there is a bit of uh, not there, not all is uh, rosy in, in in United NATO. Is that the fact that
1: she would even say those things. Yeah, it's like she's selling. She's trying to sell the case. Hmm? What, was that what you mean that she's saying it, but others immediately disagree with her?
0: No, did you not hear what she said? Play it again there.
1: She said, we are a Russia.
0: Hmm? No, that's not what I'm, no, that's what I'm talking about. Play it again there. Just, uh, it's only short. So.
3: Yes, we have to do more to defend. And therefore, I've said already in the last days... Yes, we have to do more to defend Ukraine. Yes, we have to do more also on tanks. But the most important and the crucial part is that we do it together and that we do not do the blame game in mm. Europe because we are fighting a war against Russia and not against each other. Thank you. Thank you
2: why, why would you sir? even say that? Right. What,
0: what do you mean, we're not, what do you mean? Why do you, have, why do you feel you have to remind... Your European colleagues that were fighting a war against Russia rather than against ourselves, rather right. than against each other. It doesn't sound very uh, friendly and camaraderie um, yeah. and, and united, you know. It doesn't very, doesn't sound very much like there's a lot of unity and right over there.
1: That's interesting. So, that, have, if that was a chief point and then the we are at war with Russia was more like a throwaway thing than a, anything well, that could be construed as a, a, an official German declaration of war against Russia, that was her main comment. But It was so sensitive at that point, her sort of sub-point, that uh, it it caused the French foreign minister to issue a formal statement. Um, France is not at war with Russia. Just to clarify, he says, we are not at war with Russia and none of our partners are. Um, The delivery of military equipment to Ukraine does not constitute Mm -hmm. co-belligerence.
0: So she feels the need to the german foreign minister feels the need to remind everybody listen we're not at war with each other here you know let's get get the act together we're not at war with with each other we should stop this infighting we need to be unified uh and then in response to that the french foreign minister says shut up <laughs> that's bullshit we're not at war with russia does he also mean we're not unified um i don't
1: know in in hindsight now that I've heard what Schultz said this week mm. I think it I think I understand what her point was. she's actually speaking in unison with her cabinet colleague, her boss, Olaf Schultz, so um, it turns out that the agreement on Berlin's part to send tanks to Ukraine would have to be quote in locks done in lockstep with the United States yeah uh, let me find this. This is worth reading. I have two passages in this. Um, In lockstep. Of course, he's borrowing a COVID term, but his his point is very clear. Guardian report. Germany defiant that lockstep with the US on weapons is the best for Ukraine. Mm. So if you scroll down to deadlock... A deadlock on the tanks question was broken last Wednesday when Washington announced it would also send 31 of its own Abrams tanks to Ukraine, meeting a condition that Berlin had reportedly insisted on for releasing its Leopard 2. This lockstep logic, seemingly followed to avoid Germany being singled out as an aggressor in the eyes of the Kremlin, has been criticized, criticized since it appears to question the security guarantee provided by Na- Article 5 of NATO's founding charter. Mm-hmm.
0: It's all falling apart. It's all gone wrong. Well,
1: it's real politics. It's real it, politics, which is that. The
0: article so that's five smart
1: of, by Schultz. It says
0: Article Five of NATO is bullshit. There is right, no There is there's no. no substance behind Article Five of NATO. If any NATO country is attacked, the rest of them will all just go. Uh, I have, have to go and uh, do something else while you're uh, at war with whoever Russia, and um, particularly Russia. But. Um, yeah, it, it shows the disunity of, of NATO. It shows what she said shows the disunity of NATO. Yeah. they exactly the opposite of what they've been saying for mm-hmm. the past year, which is, yeah, yeah, Russia, you just screwed up big time because, you know, you, you wanted, you, you thought you're going to destroy NATO. Well, guess what? You did the opposite. You strengthened NATO. Ha, in your face. And then the reality is, no, you didn't. You actually did, you actually did, uh, uh, what you, what you, if, if that was your intention, then mm-hmm. yeah, good job, Putin, because that's exactly what you have achieved. Um, but it's not even that. That's the lie in itself, because what he simply has exposed is the fact that there never was any unity in NATO, except there's a bit of uni, 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 unity in NATO when it comes to bombing countries that don't shoot back, like Libya or Syria. Or attacking in one way or another with proxy armories, uh, or bombing directly, uh, creating quote unquote no yeah. fly zones over Libya or sending proxy armies into and training jihadis in Syria. NATO's fully in up. They're fully in up with the war on terror, which in open, which is an open ended, um, or they're fully united with, with the war on terror, which is an open ended war on, on whoever, anybody who threatens America's global hegemony anywhere in the world gets bombed. And that's not just, uh, not limited to bombing countries or bombing, a quote unquote terrorists, but rather, um, undermining the governments, uh, in countries that America doesn't like. So they're all united on that because it's all like standing behind America. America is the world policeman. Like we talked about last week, you know, there's this unspoken rule that, uh, the Germans themselves said that, listen, the whole point was Germans, G- Germany's, Germany and to a large extent, or to, by, by extension, Europe, uh, they're, policy, their economic, their national policy uh, was cheap oil and gas from Russia while... Security from the US. While America secure, provides security around the world. Um, so they've always just stood behind let America do what it was wants, uh, do, do what it felt was needed to protect the international order, right? The international community. The rules-based order established after World War II, Neil, didn't you hear about that? I did, I sir. Over and over again. What I
1: about sa- the rules-based order? I salute the rules-based order. Good job. I am a patriot of the rules-based order. Good job.
0: <laughs> uh, and if it uh, if it ever you know looks like it's you know under threat, then we're all going to stand united. And they're gone. <laughs> and they're not there.
1: And whatever. <laughs> so this is the new pan-NATO line, right? No, it isn't. Victor Orban this week. West is at war with Russia. Mm-hmm. In the New Conservative, he was interviewed by um it was pretty cool actually. Uh Rod Dreher, uh journalist, decent journalist in the US, um, New Conservative um magazine, the American Conservative magazine. He was uh at a sit down for two hours, uh along with others, other American journalists. And yeah. Orban says, Yeah, of course we're a war with Russia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. The West, you know, we yeah. didn't say NATO, especially or Hungary, particularly, but yeah, of course we are.
0: Not, not Hungary though. When he said, not he's trying
1: to avoid that, but the, the West in general is. Yeah. And of course he's been warning people that the further we go in with this, the more there's going to be a likely rebound. He, also so called, he also this prompted a CNN explainer as to who's at war and when. <laughs> I thought this is interesting because, well, I want to hear your, your take on this as well. Like at what point is a line crossed? who decides war is now a war and therefore these things are allowed and so on. Um, you've given the analogy in the past of, well, if my neighbor's chucking stuff from his, his own place, am I not entitled to fire back at him? Yes. Okay. But if he's chucking from the street or a third house, am I not?
0: am mm-hmm. I allowed to attack his house.
1: Yeah. The, the the third, well, oh, his house rather than the third part. or oh, yeah, both. or both. If you got that, uh, look at the CNN one. Um, does the West' decision to arm Ukraine with tanks bring it closer to war with Russia? And if you scroll down to consensus, I think it's in the first part. The consensus among experts is that no NATO members anywhere near what what could be considered to be being at war with Russia by any internationally accepted legal definition. Therefore, the idea that the alliance is at war with Russia is a non-starter. War would require strikes carried out by U.S. or NATO forces in uniform attacking from NATO territory against Russian forces, territory, or the Russian people. Explains some expert. War would require strikes carried out
0: by U.S. or NATO forces in uniform attacking from NATO territory against Russian forces, Russian territory, Russian pop, blah, blah, blah.
1: Which, of course, just leaves open proxy war. Which, so you just take it over what, border. What about the 10 years of operation so, like Sycamore Timber in Syria? I mean, let's we'll just gloss over all the proxy wars we do, you know?
0: Yeah, um, Yeah. well, it's, I mean, that's the question, you know, how, how you define war, uh, how you define being at war. Um, we just stretch it out, you know. You um, stretch out the, the the definition, you know. Yeah. Um, expand it out, like um, like I was, was saying previously. The any war, okay. People might think. I mean, the question has been brought up in this context is uh, if if one country enables, or or sorry, arms another country, uh, arms one side in a conflict, is that par- country that's arming one side in the conflict a party to the conflict well technically no because you go back to the original well you go back to the the way things have operated for a very long time in the world and in, in, in terms of conflicts is that uh, lots usually lots of other countries are supplying weapons well there's there's the international arms or the raw materials for that yeah, matter yeah anything really but yeah. let's say weapons weapons are yeah, I mean, if you, if you really want to, you know, dig into it, you could, you could start accusing people of being at war, but for supplying anything, unless you completely cut off all ties with a country who's at, in conflict, then you're part of the war. That's a bit, bit extreme, right? But obviously, if you, if you limit it to weapons, then at least you've got a, something to discuss, right? Yeah. You're piling weapons into, into the, 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 the armed forces of one country in, uh, in conflict. Therefore, you're kind of a part of the war. But, um, for a very long time there's the international arms trade right which is going on all the time and there are low intensity conflicts going on around the world all the time i think america hasn't not been at war for uh of some kind uh since the was it since since the civil war since i think it's since the civil war (laughs) in
1: an official sense not officially
0: but in one way or another uh like they have they they haven't somewhere or other had troops yeah. Either part, in some way party to a conflict somewhere in the world. The British record is worse,
1: actually. Yeah. Not overall. Over United States history, 200 and some years, yeah. they have greater years at war. Yeah, But Britain's modern record is worse. No one ever thinks about that. Since 1914, Britain has been at war consecutively in terms of military engagement mm-hmm. by our expanded definition. Officially, no, they're not at war. But they've been, uh, they've had troops firing something every year, somewhere else, mm-hmm. consecutively since 1914, since the Great War. Mm.
2: Yeah. Every year.
0: So
1: when you, when you
0: real, yeah, when you realize that, then you go, well, okay, how do you define war? You know, how do you define being at war? If they themselves to, uh, have this definition where we're not actually at war, it has to be some official recon- uh, declaration of war by a government and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's nonsense, right? You can't, t- because like, for example, Congress, for example, hasn't officially declared war somewhere but there are 100,000 US troops involved in the conflict let's dispense with the bullshit narrative uh, mm. uh, terminology and, and limited to, the very least you're limited to, if you have troops in a country shooting guns at someone, they're at war right? Mm-hmm. The the, te- the kind of dictionary definition of war, you know, when troops, your actual active military troops are in a foreign country shooting at... Killing other, people
1: Yeah. Le- for legitimate reasons. Yeah. they're killing people.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But so it's it's yeah it's obviously something that no one's ever going to agree on. And but it's been exploited in Ukraine right now. The the, the limits of kind of credulity, let's say, mm. uh, for what for for what defines being at war are being stretched quite far at this point. You know, of course they haven't. They could go further, but anybody with any any reasonable person, I would say, would recognise at this point that the U.S. in particular, and to, to a lesser extent, NATO countries are at war with Russia. CNN
1: over, says otherwise.
0: Over a third, involved, primarily involving a third party. So it's a proxy war, you know, in a certain sense. It's um, You're getting someone else to fight your enemy, but you're helping that someone else to fight your
1: enemy. If your forces are, like the CNN expert uh, says, in uniform, in the territory in question, are so not NATO territory, they're in Ukraine, um, training 25,000 soldiers. and But they uh, they get out, supposedly, like hours, hours to spare before Russia attacks and invades. And they're just over the border. Whew. Thank God we weren't there when they started. Otherwise, we would have been at war. I mean, yeah. is that the definition? Well, it's
0: all about the optics, right?
1: Okay, so here's another scenario. You've gone, you've left, you're not there, okay? You're not in it, you're not party to it. But it turns out a year later, you covertly send in several hundred here, several hundred there. Yeah, it's not any in uniform, they go, you know, incognito, or they wear Ukrainian colours. Are you at war? because no, no you're not wearing the uniform, it's <laughs> well, false flag. It
0: gets it gets <laughs> nonsensical. At, uh, yeah, exactly. at, at a certain point, just put up that one and search <clears throat> for propaganda there, Scotty. Just on that, since I said optics, um, uh, this is. This is about talking about the tanks, right? So that paragraph above there says, this dude, uh, Drew Thompson, Drew Thompson uh, a visiting senior fellow, senior research fellow at the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy at the National University of Singapore. Anyway, uh, he says that the Pentagon is good at solving difficult logistical issues. Uh, and this is related to their the, the promise to send Abrams tanks. And he says, but the risk is high to both the US and Ukraine and he says, and he explains it, and saying, think of the propaganda victory for President Putin if pictures emerge of disabled American tanks on a Ukrainian battlefield. Which they will. Think of the propaganda victory. So so that's, we want to avoid that propaganda victory at all costs. America, like I said before, 50% of America's military power, military prowess in the world since, let's say, the Second World War comes from the projection of dominance, the appearance of dominance, yeah. or the talking up of their dominance, you know. Um, But yeah, so that is the reason why these Schultz only agreed to send X number of leopards Uh, uh, tanks to Ukraine if America would agree agree to send Abrams. So we're all in this together, aren't we? Mm, Uh, You know, like COVID, we're all in this together. Um, So, but the thing (laughs) thing is, is that again, this is just optics because not only is it to to save Germany has to not make it look like, like in that CNN article, not make it look like Germany is going alone here. This is basically, this is a repeat of World War II where Germany goes alone against the, the Soviet army. No, let's not, let's try and downplay that, that mm. imagery and, and and let's have America and other countries send, but of course Germany's going to send most of the tanks, but this, we'll send in, what, 30, we'll, t- we'll say 30 Abrams. There you go, 30 Abrams from America, so we're all in this together. So it's not just you, Germany, so we're all united, right? Uh, but of course the Abrams tanks aren't going to come from American American stock. They're going to be made brand new. Really? So, yes. Okay. So they're going to be made in a factory. So you're not more expensive? Um, maybe, but they have to be, I mean, they can't send the ones they have, well, a lot of the ones they have have uh, what do you call it, um, uranium armor, mm. and they won't give uranium armor. The so-called uh, secret armor. Secret armor. <laughs> <laughs> secret armor, super secret. It's so secret that it's called uranium armor. Why won't they? The why uranium. don't they want that?
1: In, ah, because of radiation poisoning. Effect. No, no, no.
0: Just because uh, they don't want Ukraine to win. No, I don't know uh, exactly why. Okay. I think they don't want. Maybe I, I thought maybe they don't. It's want a trade
1: to, secret, and they don't want the yeah, Russians they don't capturing want the Russians to get it. An Abrams, of course, impact, yeah. right. Which they will
0: do, right? So it'll yeah. be twelve months at least before any of those so-called Abrams come, which is a complete joke. It just shows you the propaganda. Strike. Twelve months, yeah. That's yeah. Not so so in, tw- in a year's time, they might get these 30 abrams abrams that the americans have promised so it's just a way a public relations uh, operation basically to not make it look like germany is the really the main one sending tanks to ukraine when in fact they actually are the main ones and for is, if any other tanks are just token british challenger tanks may or may not get there who knows when i whatever. think it's the one that can go now there. yeah well, the ones that can go now and get there now are leopard tanks. And the main point about this was Poland. Poland has quite a number of leopard tanks and they're the ones who want to send them because Poland's right on the border, right? So the first leopard tanks from Germany, quote-unquote from Germany, are coming directly from Poland that are already in Poland and will be given to.
1: Poland's very excited by this news. <clears throat> yeah. Very excited. They're sending their leopards, yes, in lockstep, quantity-wise, yes, but they're also sending, turns out they've been discreetly modernizing some Soviet tanks they still have. mm I uh, don't know what market is t ninety or something about thirty of them. So like Poland's like oh good green light let's go. So they're sending a lot more. There's some queer thing about the the German number of fourteen leopard tanks. Maybe this is nothing, but people notice that they're sending fourteen initially, and ultimately they uh, have earmarked 88. 1488? Mm-hmm. Do you know what that is? Oh, the number. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, 1488. It's supposedly a Nazi dog whistle, a neo-Nazi that. dog whistle. Uh, the the representing that. the letters, something that Hitler said for yeah. the 14 words about saving the white race or something. Mm-hmm. And 88 is you know, Heil Hitler. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think that I don't think that's
1: intended, but it's an interesting little signature just. on it. That's Maybe. that quirk, a quirk, a reality quirk, right? Yeah. So yeah, Scholz's strategy is interesting. I mean, if you are in his position, he probably did the single smartest thing he could have done, which is to say, I'm under enormous. We saw it last week enormous pressure to do something here. I'm going to have to write in the Americans because if they're just if they're just pushing us and then pushing Poland and we're all just going over here to war, I have got to pull these people in Mm -hmm. in some way, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So. Well, I, think, not, I think Merkel would have done the same thing. He's under enormous he,
0: pressure from who? Oh, uh, the USA. And why is he caving to that pressure? Why are the Germans caving to that pressure?
1: Well, well they the, clearly for, don't for, really want
0: to. Mm, they've, been, they've been dragging their feet in the hole to plan weapons, well, you, Ukraine and stuff like right, the that.
1: Whole, the whole post war architecture, like you, you described, Germany does the business, makes the stuff. America has permanently. 40,000 troops stationed there, nuclear weapons in Germany. Mm. You don't say no to uh, them ever. Mm. Like that guy said, there was some elder statesman on German TV and someone subbed into English what he said uh, recently. He's like, you know, the history has been pretty good. Most of the time when we want something, we get it, uh, when we're in disagreement, but when it comes to important things international geopolitics, the Americans get their way and that's the, All the end time, of it.
0: Yeah. Well, they're in a, they've been put in a bind. I mean, Germany in particular, because of it's dependence on, on for its industry on Russian, cheap Russian oil and gas and stuff. Um, but they've been put in a bind uh, by this, by America over this whole situation. You know, it's once they're, once they found themselves in a situation where they were, had crossed a barrier, crossed a line, in antagonism towards Russia and falling out with Russia it's like well now we have to follow through with this situation and get on board with America's agenda and the agenda was set by America i.e. the weakening and ideally some form of destruction or disempowerment of of Russia Germany and other European countries had to get on board in it particularly Germany to a lesser extent other countries but as well um, because the and this is an explanation as to why they keep saying we have to win it's terrible if Russia loses, or it's terrible if Russia, <clears throat> if Russia wins and we lose. Uh, if Ukraine loses, we lose. The West loses. The world loses. The international community loses. Everybody loses. It's terrible. It's a disaster. It's like, why are you putting so much emphasis on a regional yeah. conflict, basically? Like the world's going to end. Like, yeah. e- and even over Crimea, you're really not even talking about the whole Ukraine. You're talking about Crimea. Who controls Crimea and 20% of the territory of uh, Ukraine, the Donbass? Why are you making this into a massive international do or die situation over very small uh pieces of real estate you know hmm. um but they have because that's america's agenda well America's agenda. we've talked about this before, but it is obviously an agenda driven by America, and once they got the Amer- once they got the Europeans roped in into it, the Europeans have to follow through then have to commit to it although they're still trying to haze the bets in fact there was an article last week we were talking about whether, there's where the guy who said some insider in the German government said that or said that Um, there's still a feeling that this can all be kind of be made to go away and out of it Germany would continue to have or would regain good relations with Russia and access to cheap Russian gas and oil that the Germans still hold out hope of yeah. having some kind of a some some Something like the relationship they had with Russia economically at least and you know and everything else uh, and every other way that they had before, yeah. but it seems that as things progress and the antagonism has increased then it looks more and more like you know um, we're not going to be friends for a long time after this Germany realizes that it has to throw a slot in with American agenda it has to push on through it has to you know see see it through to the end of Russia being weakened so that when this is over, because they all have eyes on when this is over, quote-unquote. They just haven't decided when it's going to be over. Of course, it could be over tomorrow, almost literally, if Ru- if America decided it. America could end the conflict tomorrow, but it doesn't. It wants to keep the conflict going. Um, It could just say, okay, Crimea is for Russia, no big deal. Donbass, you know, People's Republic, whatever. Those people obviously want independence from Ukraine, so let, let them have it. The 80% of the landmass of Ukraine becomes Ukraine and we stop this conflict, stop the destruction, stop the damage to the global economy. Uh, but they're not saying any of that because Russia has to be weakened because out of that, in that scenario where you let Russia, quote unquote, win, mm. uh, then Russia is in a dominant position and it's very dangerous for Europe. Uh, America thinks it's very dangerous for Europe then. And the Germans probably wouldn't be too happy about it either being in a slight, in a more subservient position, uh, than before the conflict vis-a-vis russia that russia would have the upper hand because russia won russia would be able to dictate terms and uh europe would be weakened in terms of its relationship with russia compared to what it was before It's yeah. more equal okay russia had influence because it was but just justified influence because it's selling russian cheap russian oil and gas to keep european industry thriving what's how is that like it's almost like seeing it's like there are a bunch of freaking snowflakes you know what i mean they're a bunch of woke snowflakes in in the Washington establishment. You know what I mean? Uh, That's their policy. Their policy is woke, snowflakey, radical lefty uh, uh, geopolitics where any country that has resources and that can sell them easily and cheaply to other countries, that's unfair. That's an unfair advantage. It's like, again, it's like someone who's good at, who's built and has genetics for for winning a, a, a sprint race. That's unfair it's unfair that they that they should be hobbled someone break their ankle and then we'll run against them you know that's the attitude of the americans The americans is it's unfair that russia has this access to large quantities of natural resources oil gas and other natural resources that it can supply to its neighbors in, in europe and thereby kind of pushing america economically to the sidelines and america's like no way unfair we want equity we want <laughs> we want we want equality of Outcome. Woke geopolitics. Well, it is. That's what it is. It's woke geopolitics. That's what's going on. And, and that, well, and you can draw a connection between why that's taken over society. You know what I mean? Mm. Spreading out from, from Washington DC
1: essentially. And it's and the and American North. narcissism going global. Yeah. Wokeery. So, um, but the, the question that's on everyone's mind, but they're either too afraid to ask or they just ask the thought enters the head and then they go, no, 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 no I won't even think that. Um, Thankfully, Washington made a very clear answer for us. Everything's going to be fine. Have a look at this. White House estimates chances of Russia attacking NATO, zero. (laughs) NATO countries are not in danger of being attacked by Russia. John Kirby said Wednesday, uh, We've got enough troops to repel a possible Russian strike on its eastern flank. All I can tell you is we've seen absolutely no indication that Putin has designs on striking NATO territory, stressing that U.S. President Biden is taking Washington's Article 5 commitment seriously. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, that's like, they've set themselves up for like a surprise. Uh, maybe, I mean, maybe, well, I don't know. Is, is that confidence merited?
0: And... Um, Right now, yes. Okay. Right now it is. Um, like I said, Abrams, are they even going to get there? If they do, it'll be a year. They're talking about F-16s, training Ukrainian pilots in F-16s and delivering F-16s to, to Ukraine. That's all talk. Would that ever happen? Maybe it would happen. It would happen like down the line, you know, it would happen in a, in, a, in a year's time or in two years' time. But these people think that this conflict is going to go on for that period of time. They mm. think it's going to extend out that long. Uh, and that's the, that was their agenda. That's they're happy with with that. That's why they're fueling the conflict to Mm. keep it going for as long as possible because, um, but in that scenario, I don't know if it, if it got to, again, F-16s, what do F-16s change? Not much. Uh, Russia has control over the airspace. They'll just shoot them down. Mm. Talk about bad optics of an Abrams tank burning in Ukraine, super bad optics of an F-16, uh, being splashed across the social media, you know, going down the ball of flames, you know, the pride mm-hmm. of Tom Cruise in it, maybe as well. You know what I mean? Horrible. Yeah. Um, so, um, that'll be the last, uh, Top Gun movie. Like, you know, it wouldn't be in part three, like, you know, <laughs> so, um, uh, the point is that, that as, as everybody should know, anybody with any sense knows that the U.S. is behind this conflict in Ukraine. Um, in fact, I have something, I don't know if we can, I don't know if there's any point in doing this, but just, uh, I suppose just to make the point, here's, I don't know if we already, I don't think uh, I've heard this one, but this is um, Mike Pompeo. The this is the we lied, we cheated, we stole. Mike Pompeo, former director of the CIA under Trump, um, who was talking uh, that quote, "We lied, we cheated, we stole," is from him a presentation he gave at at West Point, um, well, obviously basically that's what we said. That's what we taught every day. We get up and um, we taught them how to lie, cheat, and steal. You know, the recruits for the for the CIA. Anyway. Have a listen here. It just says basically uh, what everybody should know.
4: You should know that the Ukrainian defense forces have been trained by the United States for an awfully long time. Um, When I was a CIA director, I was in southeast Ukraine on more than one occasion. We were helping them with uh, special operating forces stuff. That's about all I can say. (laughs) But the American people (laughs) should be proud of the fact that uh, we didn't risk American lives, but we did that kind of good work training others to actually defend their own country and as a result of that you see some pretty darn good successes by the ukrainian military
0: yeah two points on that obviously he's admitting that they have been tra- training the ukrainian army for a very long time and he specifically 2014 after the u.s backed coup in ukraine um but it's also interesting that he was trump's he was a, he was a trumper right he was he was trump's you know guy in the cia basically blah blah, blah. but more and more, you look at all these people who are in the Trump administration, the, the high level appointees in the Trump administration, and they're all, they have all, all since, since Trump, they have all shown exactly where their allegiances lie and have lain and have always lain, mm-hmm. which is with the establishment. Like Trump, as he's saying this, Trump is coming out and making tweets about, you know, that the Ukraine, Ukraine conflict is a disaster and he stop straight away. Trump is, you know, it's very clear that Trump was on his own. In his administration,
2: mm-hmm.
0: despite the you know opportunistic support that people like Pompeo might have given to him because he was a president and and they were in 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 power, they were taking advantage of that. But that was just for show. Trump had no support for any of his agendas during his administration from anybody, regardless. Who, no matter who you think, the only ones that he had support from are the guys who ended up in prison, right? Uh, Michael Flynn and um, Bannon and Bannon and a few others. That was it. Uh, which is pretty sad, you know. But um, so he's been, you know, the US has been, the US started this conflict on purpose. Uh, They're behind it, right? They're they're, they're the the reason there's a conflict in Ukraine right now. Um, Because, like I said, they've been arming and training and funding the Ukrainian army for eight years with a specific purpose of um, attempting to. Uh, invade or planning to invade. That's why the front line is where the front line is along Donbas. That's why all the Ukrainian soldiers are there and why the front front line is kind of raging right now a- along the the borders of Donbass uh, with a view to retaking Donbas and retaking Crimea. Um, that was their intent. Um, and part of part of this conflict w- was obviously to do that to threaten Russia to weaken Russia. But in roping in and what they've done since then, and this was part of the plan all along as well, to rope in Europe, the part of uh, the goal is to weaken Europe, as well, which is what the, what they're doing. I mean, they they, they destroyed uh, Nord Stream two specifically. So you're talking about geopolitics here and uh, natural resources and Russia's influence over Europe via its natural natural resources, um, natural resources, and how that uh, impacts negatively impacts on American hegemony. So. Their goal was to further, to weaken Europe, the European Union, their their so-called allies, um, by alienating them, further alienating them from Russia, um, turning turning them into the enemies of Russia, because the Americans have realized long before now that American hegemony was at risk, at serious risk, or under threat. And on the way down, on the way out, basically, and they couldn't stop it. And there is enough realism for them to realize that they, they they can't stop that from happening because of the rise of uh, the rise of you know powerful uh, kind of peer competitors, Russia, China, and other countries. And the world has changed, and America can't rule anymore as it has. So the solution is to weaken, to continue, uh, to maintain American hegemony in a new world a new world created by America of weak states, including its allies. Everybody gets it. Everybody gets it in the neck. So you weaken as many countries in the the world as possible uh, because previously you could control the world because most of the, um, all of the countries in the world were effectively weak states or client states of yours, states that you own, America's, America controlled. That's changed with the rise of Russia and China. So America says, okay, we need to weaken, not just Russia and China, but everybody. Yeah, So we so that control there's the no, there's no just, field of victory to right. grab. We bring it, bring there's it no, down. There's no market to gain right. from, we can,
1: your, from your quote-unquote victory.
0: Right. We can still control the world, but we have to remake the world and have to globally weaken everything, bring it all down a few pegs so we remain on top. And that's what they do to their allies as well. And, and, but of course, you know, yeah. Um, Europeans, long being in the position of Igor to America's Dr. Frankenstein, aren't in any position to do anything about it to really uh, to stop it, you know. Yeah. Um Victoria Newland um <laughs> was in to my much to my chagrin, I had to but um, I had to actually see her her um and listen to her um this week. She I think she's in she's in Congress or somewhere like that. Uh I think this is on Friday, yeah. So she's a White House official again, under Biden of course. Um and here's what she said just to back up the point that was making a minute ago about Nord Stream too. Uh, here she de down doubles down on Nord Stream.
4: Senator Cruz, uh like you, I am And I think the administration is very gratified to know that Nord Stream 2 is now, as you like to say, a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea.
0: (laughs) So, you know, someone should tell Victoria that Nord Stream was actually designed to be a hunk of metal at the bottom of the sea. And that's by definition what a pipeline is. Uh, What she really means is a broken hunk of metal. At the bottom of the sea, broken by America, and by way of blowing it up, uh, and then here she is again in the same, same uh, discourse, talking about her other favorite uh, favorite
4: hobby. Have a very excellent uh, chargé who is doing most of the on the ground contact work, but our assistant secretary for Europe and Eurasia, Karen Donfried, has been meeting. With Belarusians, as has her deputy Robin Donegan, at, at regular intervals to test whether there might be any openings there. I would not say openings. That had manifest success, but also working intensively with the Belarusian opposition and Madame uh
0: Mama Nuland hungry, <laughs> <laughs> want coup. I bring cookies. I bring cookies for coup. Me hungry.
1: Minsk next. No, you tried Minsk in 2020. It failed, sweetie. Eh, eh. Although um, that
0: brings up, I mean, obviously Belarus is a, is a is a potential weak point. And it brings up. I mean, I don't think I'd go with this fully, but I mean, there's all that build up in Belarus, Belarusia, uh, of Belarusian and Russian forces over the past going on a few months now. Um, Everybody assumes that's preparation for uh, an offensive south over the Belarusian border into Ukraine, but you have to wonder as well if it's not
1: just basically a, a defensive force uh, against
0: who knows what. I mean, they're trying to game all sorts of opposition, uh, all sorts of scenarios. But
1: yeah, well, she just said we're hoping to for openings. Yeah, Opening, openings open society. We want to open Belarus, so so open the border, open the border, so Polish troops can flood through.
0: For example. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. I still tend to think that the, the buildup of troops in Belarus is about an offensive at some point in the future. Yeah, um, but there's no no rush on, on that respect, you know. Um, so,
1: yeah, um, on on this war spreading, uh, I see the drone attack in Iran. Mm. Now the Iranians said they shot it down, but it looks like there were three drones. One hit what Israeli media is reporting was a drone factory. Yeah. Um, the Iranians just say, a workshop. Mm. <clears throat> That's probably related to Iranian supply of cheap drones
0: that yeah. are super
1: effective by in an, hitting American weapons in Ukraine.
0: By implication, it's, a, it's, an, it's a, an attack. It's a move against Russia. Right. Russia's operations in Ukraine, right? Because... Unless, there, of course, there's really spin it as well. These are these are potentially uh, drones that could be used against uh, against Israel, so we need to take them out. So it's all smoke and mirrors and lies and bullshit and stuff. Um, but the, my my thing about the F-16s in Ukraine isn't. I mean, I I didn't. I think there there is a source for it. Actually, it's in it's in Russian. But um, this is just the tweet someone sent, and there is a source just below it in in Russian, according to the Ukrainian Air Force spokesman for the Ukrainian Air Force, Ukraine has been begun preparing airfield infrastructure for F-16 fighters. Um, you know, that's obviously, you got to understand that they can prepare their airfield infrastructure for F-16 fighters all they want, but unless, if Ukrainians are going to fly them, it's not going to happen for quite a long time, you know, because Ukrainian, uh, whatever Ukrainian pilots are left, they have no experience in F-16 fighters, and it takes quite a long time to train you to effectively use an F-16 fighter, so And you'd have to do that, obviously, outside of Ukraine. So again, that's like the Abrams tank. Uh, Put it off a year, two years, if if it's even going to happen, you know. Um, But
1: but it could. Things are changing fast, week to week. I mean, let's assume they're going to fulfill the top Ukrainian general's wish list. Delusionally, he said, "I need a new army." Mm. This would be the third, the third army what point, they seem confident at the moment that Russia, well, Russia's not moving, so we'll just carry on what we've done before. We'll build them a third army. Mm -hmm. So far, there's no reason for NATO to not keep pursuing that strategy. Let's keep going. Okay, it's only only token numbers of tanks. I read an analysis that said, realistically, just to you. To, for Ukraine to, to defend the existing 800-kilometer front, they need 1,800 tanks this year mm-hmm. or by summer. Um, maybe that'll trickle in. Maybe it'll happen fast. Maybe it'll snowball, right? And they end up getting a third army. Does Russia go, oh, God, okay, well, yeah, okay, we'll take that out too. If, if and we then it goes, like, we're in the third iteration here, you know. I, yeah,
0: yeah. <sighs> um, yeah, well, I'll get back to that in a minute, but there's um, – just on, on the NATO talking points about, is that guy Rob, Admiral Rob Bauer? Yes. Um, he's the head of NATO Strategy <laughs> Council. He's all about the strategizing. Um, here he is uh, talking to some, um, I think it's DW. Yeah. d uh, I referred Dvela. to that earlier, yeah. Um, yeah, you can just play that. Uh, we don't want to listen to it all. Please.
3: We are ready to a direct confrontation with Russia.
4: We are. Um, I think what we have done after the war started was the battle groups uh, along the eastern flank. We had four in the north, the the three Baltic states and Poland, the enhanced forward presence uh, battle groups. Uh, We have decided now, the leaders in Madrid have uh, decided to uh, create four more battle groups in uh, Slovakia, Hungary, uh, Romania and Bulgaria, and to basically uh, strengthen those uh, battle groups make them a little bit larger, make, give them a little bit more support in terms of fire support and, uh, uh, and give them better stocks for ammunition and other things. So uh, I think that is, the, that is an important message for the Russians, that our posture has changed to show them that we are ready if they would have an idea to, to come to NATO. <laughs> and that is the red line. If there is any red line, it is the Russians crossing the line of our territory in NATO.
3: I believe you said that uh, we are ready to scale up, but that will require some focus. I believe it was your expression. What do you mean by that?
4: I said that uh, with regard to uh, industrial capacity, the the, the defense capacity, because I think uh, what we see on both sides is uh, there's high use of ammunition. There's a lot of uh, uh, destruction in terms of uh, vehicles and tanks and uh, aircraft, and there's a lot of things that require to be uh, bought on both sides to to continue the fight uh, in in material and in ammunition. So the challenge for both sides is that the industries, the defense industries in the West and in Russia need to ramp up production. Mm. And uh, basically have an economy now that is just in time, just enough. Everything we do in the West in the last 25 years was based on that idea. Uh, having stocks was not uh, smart because it was dead money. Uh, but we now see, so if you order a car, it will, it will start the production after you ordered the car. And we're talking now that, uh, uh, hey, I'm using more ammunition than I thought. I need to take from a, a warehouse ammunition.
0: The War so we're talking
4: about stocks. You're talking about things that are there, not because you necessarily needed them, but once you need them, you need them badly because the production in the in the battlefield is going up, and we same saw the same uh, we saw in the pandemic with medical equipment and uh, yeah, and whatever, material. so very
1: good. Um, such a corporatist mercantilist yeah. Western just show you wet it. blanket, mind you. We can mock him, but that guy. In that role, his predecessor has just been elected president of the Czech Republic. Hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> These
0: people good for your career progression, but it's not much good for fighting wars, you know. Um, Here's Trump, just so people know, Trump's take on uh, Ukraine with the usual bit of Trump bombast, which we always look forward to
3: through weakness
1: and incompetence joe biden has brought us to the brink of world war three we're at the brink of world war three just in case anybody doesn't know it as president i will bring back peace through strength peace through strength would have never happened if i was president there would not have been a war with russia in ukraine zero chance and lindsey would be happy with that that's better than any alternative wouldn't have happened and I will say this, even now, despite tremendous loss of lives and destruction of much of that country, I would have a peace deal negotiated within 24 hours. You could make a peace deal. You could make a deal for both right now, 24 hours. Yep, and that's why you'll never be president again. Peace to strength, peace to strength. He, he's, he's, he's giving a shout-out to Lindsey Graham, who you hear go, yeah, yup, yeah, yeah, off to his left. Mm. He's got Lindsey Graham helping him kick off his campaign. Mm for God's sake, Lindsey Graham would not have wanted a peace deal in Ukraine. No. Lindsey Graham was licking, he was just salivating with excitement yeah. over the fact that this war is going to go on and on and Ukrainians mm-hmm. are going to, quote, die until the last, they love fight it. until the last Ukrainian.
0: It's true justification. I mean, yeah, on that point, I mean, it's very clear that the NATO is not interested, and by NATO I mean, you know, the US in particular uh, is not interested in, in Ukraine, has no real intent no real intent for Ukraine to actually win this conflict. They keep talking about it, but they have no intent. If they had the intent, they would be doing a lot more if they're really committed, but they're not committed. They're not, they're not willing to put any skin, real skin in the game, and they know, therefore, that Ukraine is going to lose, ultimately. But they're betting on um, the longer the conflict goes on, the more easy, the easier it is for them to organize the kind of chess pieces. Like I said, that Europe will take a, a significant nosedive in terms of uh, influence and power and and, and wealth. And uh, if the, if something kicks off in China, they're preparing for that as well, trying to take China down. They're they're willing to downgrade the entire global economy in order for them to stay on top. So Ukraine, the idea of Ukraine winning is just narrative and bullshit. For the masses, for the idiot masses out there who are all like bleeding hard, you know, Slavic Ukrainian stuff, they're just to keep them on board. But the goal is to bleed, is to try and, you know, in a certain sense, bleed Russia a little bit at, but at the serious expense of Ukraine. Like Orban, you're talking about Orban earlier on. He basically said that Ukraine is, uh, he said he, he re- compared it to like an, and an, like, Compared to Afghanistan calling it a, like a, a nobody country or a nothing country. No man's land. No man. Did he say no man's land? He said,
1: yeah, it's the, the land of nobody. The and land then of in nobody. brackets, the editor, Rob Dreyer said, I think he meant no man's land. Or maybe the Yeah. Yeah. yeah no man's land. So it's going
0: to be just a, a wasteland. Yeah. A wasteland. And, and that's, that's the goal. Um that's the, they hope, you know, of course, Russia has different, uh, a different yeah. intent for Ukraine. It, it has a more positive intent for Ukraine, which is that. You know they can, if they can bring it to the point where Ukraine actually is defeated and and they can force uh, uh, effectively a surrender from Ukraine, and then Ukraine can be slowly rebuilt and not become a no man's
1: land, not become a wasteland. But the this, West
0: is fully uh, fully prepared for Ukraine to be a,
1: a no man's land. This is really the linchpin to understanding everything that's happened since nine eleven. You remember back in the day, like um, Afghanistan, Iraq. It's a war for oil, stupid. It was, yes. And then people would share maps of what they were planning and um, what's his name, Pepe Escobar, talk about pipelineistan? you know, they they, they want to get, oh, what's her name? The Condoleezza Rice was involved with a company that wants a contract for this pipeline coming through Afghanistan and they want to compete with the Russians and the Chinese and that's what, and that made sense, except it didn't because 20 years later, as Trump would say, they sunk all the money in. Where's the pipeline? There's mm. none. That's a win for them. That's mm. the point. Yeah, no pipeline. To. And remember halfway through the war, Afghanistan, oh my God, we just discovered there's about $14 trillion worth of rare earth minerals under this barren soil. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets but, it. No, no, no. Nobody gets it. Right. That's the of point. Course, that's the whole point. <laughs> the whole... point isn't that we are out, you know, uh, it's not as it's not a scramble for Africa where Europeans gobbled up as many resources as they could and ended up clashing with each other in Africa a hundred years ago. This is different. This is America saying, no, I'm kicking up dust everywhere and no one gets it. Mm-hmm. I want sand and death to mm-hmm. use Trump's term everywhere. Yeah,
0: you got to you you want if you're if you want to rule the world you have to keep all of your other competitors weak. You can't let any of them rise up. You can't let any of them if, if possible access have access to any more natural resources. You can't let them develop um in a way that would that they naturally would because they will especially if they're not your vassals, basically if they're not of of like mind um they're going to be they're gonna be your competitor and you can't have that, so you go in and you stop things from developing. you keep as many places as possible poor and impoverished um so they're more easily controlled. It's sick, twisted thinking, but that's the thinking that goes on in the halls in the bowels of washington d c and has done for an awful long time um yeah, so I mean. In terms of, in terms of um, what's going on in, in, in Ukraine, I mean, again, it's still slow. I mean, they're making they're making some good progress along the uh, in in the various in the little towns are U- Uglidar, Bakhmut. Um, there's that front line, like we've talked about this front line for a long time, and the reason that front line is there is because it was designed to be there from the beginning as a as, a, as an offensive position defensive slash offensive position really an offensive position originally in, in its original conception offensive position to launch offensives into Donbas and take Donbass and then take Crimea and from there then multi well, you've got a, a mobilized army that has gone through some kind of a conflict to to take those two to um, uh, take those two territories that would then be eager for more and could at the very least you know be a, a serious ongoing threat right on Russia's border That was the intent all along. So that's why you have this line along, along the, more or less along the Donbass region that Russia has, you know, been attempting to, has been pushing back. And its goal is ultimately to take all of Donbass, all of the the territory of Donbass and the other two regions, Zaporizhia, and. Complete uh, with a
1: seaport in the sea of of Azov built by the British Navy.
0: Right. Um, So that's, that's the goal. That's why the, the the front line is there. And they're making good progress right now. Like I said, in some key towns along their Bakhmut. They've taken Sol- Soldar, Bakhmut uh, is ongoing, Ugladar is ongoing. Um, what they're basically, the Russians are slowly just going about the same process they've been going about for, going about for quite a long time is to degrade and destroy the Ukrainian military force to the point that they can open, let's say, that it collapses to some extent and they can open a hole or a breach in that front line, with the rest most of it degraded enough to 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 acceptable uh, an acceptable extent, and from there then they they push through, they pour through because on on the other side of that of that front line where most of the uh, combat ready Russian or Ukrainian forces are and their their military equipment, if that collapses on the other side of that, there isn't much to stop them. To stop the Russian forces, and again, you're talking about mobilized for the mobilization that happened a few months started a few months ago. Then being ready to to push through, and at that point, in theory, that would be the end of end of the story for Ukraine. You know, once that front line would be significantly degraded and big enough holes would open up in it for for Russian forces to to pour through, basically into the rest of Ukraine. Um, that's what they're working on, and they're going about it. Uh, bit by bit and it's getting pretty bad because it is they're attriting a triting the, the Ukrainian military, uh the proxy force, America's proxy force, they're attriting it. Uh, and and that that's the that's the that's the agenda. There's no there's no there's no motivation or good reason for any major kind of offensive, you know, major arrow offensive by uh, the Russians, you know, to try and Bring an end to this conflict, or win categorically all at once type thing. Uh, that clearly ha- isn't wasn't the agenda from the beginning, and isn't the agenda now. And they're happy to preserve their own forces. They have something have had for quite a long time, or something like a seven or eight to one uh, casualty rate, basically, uh, where seven times as many Ukrainian soldiers are dying as Russian soldiers. Um, of course, you'll hear the exact opposite. Of that recent, I've heard recent, uh, seen recent. Um, estimates of 300,000 to half a million dead or injured. Don't know. It seems unlikely to me that it'll be up to half a million because I think the figure was about 600,000. They had a lot they I mean, you see the video evidence of them pulling people off the streets mm. left, right and center. It's mm. not looking good. Like, you know, they're getting pretty desperate, you know.
1: Stu- and anyone who posts <clears throat> anything like that risks prison time yeah. or worse. Yeah. The hand of the SPU. Yeah. So they're the videos that do get up. <laughs>
0: yeah. So um, there's obviously more things, more, more to come as as the kind of conflict grinds on and stuff and what, what the Americans do, uh, if they escalate more and what if there's any red lines, what America, what Russia's red lines are, um, we'll have to wait and see. Well, they said this week,
1: for what it's worth, Russia, of course, said... Modern Western tanks to Ukraine means the West is now party to war. Hmm. Yeah, what that means? Don't know. Is that the red line? Um. So, uh, Berlin by Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, raising no. raising the Chechen flag over the Reichstag. That's,
0: they want you to believe that. They want you to think that. They or want the, to the royal crest. Oh, I can dream. Bill Gates, you know, uh, he's wrong about most things, but. Um, he has an opinion on, on conflict as well. He has an opinion on everything. like. But, you know, it's all about the pandemics and the climate change and the wars and how we're all going to die and only he can save us, basically. Uh, here he is on, uh, on Ukraine just recently.
1: Ukrainian government is one of the worst in the world, hmm. in, you know, corrupt, controlled by a few rich people. I mean, really uh, unfortunate for the people in Ukraine. Uh, are you sure that's recent? Because that's very un-PC. I think he was
2: talking
0: about in terms of the recent resignations in right. the uh, in, in Ukrainian government because uh, of corruption, basically. Ah, uh, people, uh, people, yeah. people who so said,
1: was it corruption or was uh, it yeah. uh, preventing a coup? <laughs> Maybe one or the other. Or both.
0: Uh, both at probably once. both. I mean, there's all sorts of corruption going on. Under these conditions, there's corruption up the wazoo in the Ukrainian government. There's already significantly corrupt anyway. 100%. And then under the under the 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 fog of war type thing. I mean there's it's there's a, a wild east.
1: It's just always has been, but the, it's
0: worse now. They're doing exactly the same thing that uh, of course it's part of the course in those kind of conflicts, especially western Western inspired conflicts. Um
1: look at Iraq. The billions well, of Halliburton,
0: Halliburton, yeah. Um what do you call it? Uh, Halliburton and other companies in the Iraq War that were charging you know ridiculous amounts of money for cleaning services, for yeah. uh, for meals for troops, uh, and making making hundreds of billions, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, from the American taxpayer by massively overcharging for supplying the the, the American military in Iraq for for de- for a decade or more. Um, the exact same things going on in Ukraine, and uh, of course they get government government. Um, Interior Interior Ministry uh, officials in Ukraine are tasked with brokering those kind of contracts with suppliers for meals, for example, for uh, Ukrainian troops. And they they get a company who's, you know, who'll pass them a nice big fat brown envelope and then they'll give them a $350 million contract to supply uh, crappy meals to Ukrainian troops that cost, you know, one tenth of that in right. reality. Um, so, yeah. I think the, there's actually the, the a great Ukrainian story in there. Rundugel.
1: Huh? Yeah. Let them let them keep at it. We'll see how long it lasts. It's crazy, though. Like, I mean, it's just
0: feckless. It is. The th-
1: thing is, when it happens, well, I don't know the world's going to get really chaotic afterwards. All things being equal, well, what, is, what would happen is that Russia would win and you would see a whole other Ukraine. It would be basically reborn. It would be modernized. It would be fair. It would be peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, things would get built. Things would work. But I'm dreaming because things that are coming, you know, mm-hmm. it, even the master plan you just outlined before of knocking the whole world down several pegs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's it's, a, it's a crying shame because, well, we can get some glimpses of it in liberated Mariupol, which is being rebuilt, you know, mm-hmm. already by the Russians. Uh, obviously, Crimea as well. I mean, ask anyone there, and it's like stuff's being done now that you know should have been done thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. Ukraine, Ukraine, objectively would be in better hands under Russian control, but. Mm-hmm. Will we ever see the day? Probably not. Do you see this? Do you want to move on to something else? Yeah. Or stay there?
0: Terror attacks in Israel. Mm. I mean... Is that something else? Sounds like more of the same to me.
1: It's more of the same, but it's like, it's really... (coughs) It's really dodgy what happened. So right as Bibi Netanyahu returns, still under a cloud of corruption... And investigations and stuff. Um there's a raid on an ID the ID, IDF <coughs> conducted a raid on the Jenin refugee camp in Northern West Bank. Damn, yeah. Um <clears throat> Here's the first of our links in this. Uh It left nine people killed. It's the highest death toll, actually, in in any single, excluding the bombardments of Gaza, in any single so-called policing operation by Israel since 2005. This happened on Thursday. Israeli forces killed nine Palestinians during West Bank raid. Israel claims all but one were wanted, suspected militants, blah, 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 but people who were there said it was mental what they did. The IDF said it conducted uh, an unusual daytime operation. They've been pestering Jenin at night, but this this is full daylight. Um, they ventured deep into the camp because of, quote, intelligence suggesting a cell linked to Palestinian Islamic jihad was planning mm-hmm. to carry out imminent attacks against Israelis well there had been no attacks maybe because they prevented it right that's that's always their narrative so this guy who was here, Sakir Kader he's a Palestinian Dutch filmmaker he witnessed and he said armed Palestinians shot at an Israeli armored vehicle quote disguised as a commercial van at which point the IDF returned fire and a fierce four hour gun battle ensued causing widespread damage four hours Um, To be clear, like, you think, well, they have to go after terrorists. The troops, this is from an Israeli report now I'm reading, troops use shoulder-launched missiles and other explosives against the hideout in a tactic, apparently it's routine, in a tactic known as, quote, pressure cooker to try and flush out the wanted men. Well, they flushed them out all right. Apparently there's nine dead people. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that's just another day in the life of living under the... Most insane regime on the planet, but then that was Thursday on Friday, a day later. um, A synagogue in East Jerusalem, East Jerusalem probably meaning it's where settlers are living in recently bulldozed or forcibly evicted Palestinian homes. A synagogue in East Jerusalem was shot up, shot at. Um, It's also noteworthy because it's the highest if. If this is a terror attack, it's the highest terrorist attack death toll in Israel, again, since the Mm mid-2000s, almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's have a look at this, also from The Guardian. I picked The Guardian because, well, let's go with a pro-Israeli. I mean, you get the most... Even when you're reading, like, the most compliant, generally, you know, don't rock the boat with the Zionists mm-hmm. articles, they're still horrifying, like, against Israel. So, the report says, seven Israelis have been shot and killed as they left a the synagogue yesterday, Friday. A gunman in a car waited until Shabbat prayers ended in a neighborhood of Israeli settlers and occupied East Jerusalem. Um... He waited, and then as they came out, he opened fire. Mm -hmm. And the attack, yesterday, by the way, was International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Mm -hmm. Arabic, if you scroll down, I want people to see this one. Um, Do a search for Hebrew. This is is the red flag for me. Arabic and Hebrew media reports identified him as a 21-year-old. He did not have a security record. The Israelis know everything. They know what everyone eats for breakfast in the West Bank. It is the most high-tech mass surveillance place on the planet. That sounds iffy to me. Anyway, whatever. Uh, The report concludes, at that point, yes, uh, two days ago, Friday, 32 Palestinians were killed in the last month. Again, this is the kind of highest death hole in, in a couple of decades. Mm-hmm. It's a very intense fight th- uh, right now. Okay, so then Saturday, another synagogue was hit, also in East Jerusalem. Um, no one was killed here, though, but this is this is kind of a tell for me. The um, Like the other 21-year-old perpetrator, this one is a kid, though. He's 13. Mm-hmm. 13 years old. Um, in in both incidents, Israel says they were neutralized. Security mm-hmm. forces arrived and seen shot and dead. End of story. Mm-hmm. They were also both stressing quote that they'd acted alone mm-hmm. and quote they were not connected with any terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. Done and dusted. Mm-hmm. And yet, Israel is now conducting. You see in the headline there mass arrests, mm-hmm. um, up and down the place. Uh, and Bibi, the psycho, has announced new laws which would, quote, pursue sanctions against families of assailants, seal off an attacker's home in prep- in preparation for its immediate demolition, and cancel social security and health benefits for the families of attackers. Mm-hmm.
0: They've been doing that for 25, 30 years. I like. know,
1: but it's, it's,
0: another, <laughs> it's another round of it. Throw up that one just from the archives, because like, this is something that I've stopped. Um. Talking about or writing about, uh, because I did it for about 10 years and I was like, well, that's all I've got to say on that 10 years of talking about. It. This is, um, from 2009. Let's go down to, uh, first link there. or the second, like, Hamas playing, Just keep going. Keep going, yeah. So that one right there. Uh, and then a few more. Hamas blames it really collaborated for launching attacks in October 2008. So Hamas have said about the rocket firing, I think those who are responsible are those who collaborate with Israel because there is consensus by all Palestinian groups to respect the truce. He's a senior leader of the Hamas movement. Um, and then according to AFP, Zahar told a Gaza radio station that the party that fired the rockets was linked to Israel as it provided pretext to exercise pressure on the Palestinian people. That's a very You know, basic concept that is never addressed because it was always, it's like the core of traditional conspiracy theories, i.e. a false flag attack. Uh Uh, But it's not allowed and has never been allowed to be talked about uh, openly or even hinted at in the Western press because, because it's a conspiracy theory. It's a crazy conspiracy theory. The idea that a state like Israel would find it expedient or useful for its security policy and its control over the whole, the, the general, you know, the country and the conflict to uh, carry out uh, an attack or facilitate an attack by its enemy on Israeli Israeli citizens in order to justify further repressions or, like that guy said, basically it's a very it's a very logical, coherent um, strategy military slash political strategy uh, that he's voicing there, which is that uh, that the rocket attacks were fired by people linked to Israel because he provide a pretext for Israel to press to put pressure on the Palestinian people. But apparently, that simple concept, logical, checks out from a political, you know, political policy point of view, has never been allowed to be talked about uh, or or given any any credence or any airtime at all. If you just go to the the next one, um, because I'm just, in this article, I was just detailing a a few things. Uh, The next one was uh, a BBC News report from 2008 that Yemen, seizes an Israeli-linked cell. Yemeni President Salah had said the security force had arrested a group of alleged Islamic, Islamist militants linked to Israeli intelligence. Now, those two things are meant to be the opposite, right? Islamist militants mm. as, and Israeli intelligence because Islamist militants are Hamas, Palestinians in general, they're Islamist and they're militant and like you were just saying, Israel has a big problem with them and wants to kind of shut them down and cut them off and stop them from attacking Israel because they're evil, anti-Israel, anti-Jewish uh, uh, terrorists, basically, right? So there should never be any Islamist militants linked to Israeli intelligence. It's certainly not Islamist militants carrying out attacks against Jewish people or against uh, Muslims right. uh, who are linked to Israeli intelligence. Um, if you if, uh,
1: and yet the links are all over the place. At least they're reported like this here and there.
0: Yeah, um, and then another one. This was uh, this from the Sydney Herald in 2002, uh, headline: Palestinians Arrest, Al Qaeda Al Qaeda Posers. So, Palestinian security forces arrested a group of Palestinians, quote unquote Palestinians, for collaborating with Israel and posing as operatives of Osama bin Laden's Al Qaeda network. He said the alleged collaborators, collaborators sought to discredit the Palestinian people, justify every Israeli crime, and provide reasons to carry out a new military aggression in the Gaza Strip. No. Never. That can never, ever, ever happen, Neil. Now, shut up. Also, no, unless
1: it's in Russia. It happens all the time there.
0: Right, of course. Now, now we're allowed to say that uh, false flag attacks happen, but only Russia. And then the next one, again, 2006, Lebanon's army captures Israeli Mossad terrorist ring. Uh, members of a terrorist network allegedly, allegedly working for the Israeli Mossad. And, asked, and that a suspect confessed to his role in assassinating, assassinating Hezbollah and Palestinian officials. So, an Islamic, Middle Eastern, you know, based in Palestine, uh, Lebanon, Islamic organization that is being run effectively by Israeli intelligence to take out Israeli intelligence's enemies in Hezbollah and in, in Palestine. Rafa was part of a terror network working for the Israeli Mossad, and its members took training courses in and outside Israel. Um, And then the man himself, just scroll down to the next uh, headline, keep going right there, Arafat himself, in 1995, Mm -hmm. said Israel was behind suicide bombings. So these were... um, the Beit Lid massacre in which 21 Israeli soldiers were killed by two Islamic jihad suicide bombers, Palestinian Authority Chief Yasser Arafat told a group of visiting dignitaries that right-wing Israelis had collaborated with the killers. Otherwise, he said, the killers would not have passed through several army
1: checkposts without
0: being stopped.
1: That's why I mentioned their surveillance today. 25 years later, like, the idea that there's someone they don't know in the West Bank, no, no. They know everyone. Mm. Um, for me, the, the tell. The, the, and I suppose I came on I suppose, that point, before you get onto it, go ahead. I suppose people will come back to you and say, "Okay, he said, she said." You know, it's hearsay. There's a little evidence, but it's in the end, it's what somebody has said. You know, that's what they'll always say. Wow, there's no, there's no evidence for that. Yeah, he said so, but so what? But the, look at the plain fact of the second synagogue shooting this week. Mm-hmm. It's a thirteen-year-old. By definition, he has handlers, whoever they are. Pre- presumably, Islamist, mm-hmm. By definition, but they were at pains to say he was a lone wolf, did it alone, not connected with anyone. Mm-hmm. Of course, you talk can. about come on, the fuck—that's absurd. Mm-hmm. What, and I strongly suspect they're burying the connections that put that kid in that position. And he was—he was—he was shot dead immediately. By the way,
0: yeah, of course, because dead men tell them tales. <laughs> Um, and again, this is uh, if you just go back to that, that article, to the last one. I just wanted to reference because it speaks to what you're saying there, uh, just down to the next uh, one right below that in the bolded paragraph. So this is, um, and this is something that you know, no one had, no one disputes or has disputed that there's a cadre of well-trained Arabic speak Arabic-speaking Israeli informants, right? No one disagrees that Israel, like any uh, Israeli uh, Shabak or, or Mossad would have uh, informants run informants, right? Uh, the FBI does it all the time, it's no, it's not a secret even, it's it's you know, accepted as normal practice for those kind of intelligences. So with a cadre of well trained Arabic speaking Israeli informants who are indistinguishable physically from the Palestinian population, Shabak has little problem gathering intelligence on a people whose every movement is regulated by hundreds of checkpoints and by total Israeli control of their borders these infiltrators prey on Arab innate hospitality and friendliness. The Palestinians call them Musta Rabin, i.e. those who appear to be Arabs. The Palestinians are not surprised when someone somewhere comes up to them and says, got you.
1: Yeah, got you. So, you know, that, that obviously that's... Israeli niggisab,
0: <laughs> Right, well you've got, you know, you're talking there about Palestinians who have been turned informants and for, for you know, they're either you're given a choice, and this is classic, right? The FBI does it as well. They're given a choice. They're criminals or they've been caught in something and, I mean, there was, there was a mainstay of the conflict in Northern Ireland as well during the Troubles. Um, someone gets caught, either a criminal or part of the organization, like in, in the case of Palestine, Palestinian militant or something, or even someone who isn't in militant. No, like it's the just, 13-year-old was just, it's just,
1: it's just picked off the street. Caught
0: and t- told that you have a choice. You work for us or you go to prison for 20 years. Most people are going to say, okay, what do you want me to do? And they basically tell you to go somewhere and be somewhere at a certain point in time. And you know, you're going to be the fall guy for mm-hmm. some kind of a, a an operation that, that, that was planned involving many other people, you know, um, or you can, uh, in the case of Palestine, uh, you can easily get those people because you, you've got a lot, a lot of leverage off, over them. I either go into prison if they don't do what you say, you can get them. or some of them will, if you convince them enough, and give them enough assurances, they will go and carry out shooting attacks, depending on the nature of the person. They'll go yeah. and shoot a bunch of Jews because they themselves are Palestinians. Maybe they're
1: criminals. You get some of the, or the worst maybe attacks. they have motivation, and they're you know right. It, they you know they're angry. Yeah, for sure. So it's plenty.
0: It's extremely easy to do. And the only thing that that the only counter argument to that uh, being a reality would be that uh, some kind of moral argument that no, they wouldn't do that. And people who make that argument are extremely naive because they don't understand how politics and and the world works and the type of people in positions of power in these countries. They have no problem with carrying out, with creating a situation or creating a terror attack or carrying out a terror attack or killing civilians of their own population in order to further a political agenda and so that's the split really it's either you live in la la land where that can't possibly be happen happen because i don't want it to be true i don't want to live in a country or a world where that kind of thing happens where politicians who i i want to believe are good people looking out from interest would ever do something as evil as that so you live in that world and you deny all the evidence that that's not that's the world doesn't work like that or you face into the fact that this is very often politically expedient i mean you can go to the fbi terror plots in the u.s it's been, pub- been talked about publicly not necessarily in those terms but the, all the details are there of the FBI most of the FBI's terror plots uh, are their, 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 their the FBI uh, arrests over the past 20 years of terrorists in America and maybe you've forgotten about them because you, know, you don't see it so much anymore because of COVID and all that kind of stuff but for a long time you were seeing almost every month you were seeing some kind of an FBI uh, uh, revelation that the FBI had had stopped Uh, planned terror attack and outlets like the Washington Post and Washington Times and and others wrote articles in this basically saying that the vast majority of those so-called FBI terror plots uh, or FBI uh, prevention of terrorist attacks were actually created by the FBI themselves where they took a bunch of people who were easily managed easily manipulated and kind of sheep dipped them and put them in certain different different situations and brought them along in the so-called terror plot and then just before when they thought they were going to carry out the terror plot then they of uh, well, the terror attack they, uh, they arrested them and touted it as a great uh, success in stopping it when they had actually created it from the ground up It would never have happened if they hadn't gone along and done it and that's job justification because if the FBI doesn't if the FBI is tasked with stopping terrorism but there's no terrorism happening well you don't get your budget next year right so you have to cut staff and you lose all yeah, their perks they
1: said as much explicitly I remember right
0: some the same the same applies in 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 a similar way in Palestine in in in, in Israel and in other places around the world uh, where it, the, the controlling authorities had an agenda to justify their presence there. For example, especially in the case of an occupation of a by a, by a foreign power like the the British occupation in Ireland, the Israeli occupation, essentially of Palestine, they have to justify their continued occupation and continued control over the Palestinian people. And the only way they can do that is by there being a continual. Uh, awareness or reality, let's say, of the Palestinians being a deadly threat to Israel. Now, if the Palestinians tend to go quiet for a long period of time. That starts to become a problem. How do we continue to justify our security state well, when there is no nothing to, to secure against? Hmm. Well,
1: what about one of them informants? Yeah, and it's just when Benjamin Netanyahu comes back, right? The 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 arch with a cloud of corruption, oh, um, hanging arch cycle him himself. He is. The guys are puzzling. Now, I don't know if this is connected. You talked about the global war on terror past tense, but at the same time that the ship was kicking off in Israel, meanwhile, over in Western Europe, a machete attack in southern Spain. Um, the timing's interesting, right? So, some guy has a machete and he, he killed, he attacked a priest in one church. And it spilled over into a second church in Algeciras in the south, southern Spain. And he killed some other dean or someone working in a second church right on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and the suspect is a Moroccan with no prior criminal record, either in Spain or in any other country. But he was an undocumented migrant. So he was, yeah, Moroccan. Okay, whatever. I did, there's been a lot of those, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take, you know, at this point, it no longer, they're, <laughs> they're spontaneous. There was another one in Belgium last week, in this graphic CCTV footage. You actually see it from start to finish. Two guys waiting at a train station, and one of them just reaches down, gets a knife out of a bag, and stabs someone in the neck. Um, anyway, that's okay. I want to focus on this one because, on the same time that this happened in Spain, in Germany, um, two people were killed after a quote, man stabs passengers on a train. There's an interesting detail in this one about this guy. Um, when you open that up, do a, a word search for suspect. Okay, it's somewhere in the text. Yeah, second paragraph. The suspect described as a stateless Palestinian man stabbed several people on board a train. That's, I don't know what that means, but that's interesting. I mean, I suppose there are Palestinian refugees in Europe, but Mm -hmm. nowhere near as much as like Syrians uh, and from other Arabic countries. Um,
0: Meanwhile, at echoes of, um, I don't know, what this actually means but it just occurred to me as maybe significant uh, there was a, a fire in uh, in the UK in uh, I think it's in London it's John's Wood in um, area of London since Mark it's a heritage listed uh, church was destroyed in a devastating fire you can just see a picture of it down there um, below Pretty much totally gutted, you know. It's this historic kind of heritage listed um, church, and you know, um, I don't know. I'm uh, there's it was only a couple of days ago, so but you know, you have to wonder, um. I suppose that can arson. happen, but it, well, it's very arson.
1: You know, is shit. There's been an ar- life, a church arson campaign in Canada. Mm. Like that's 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 a public debate. That's not yeah. a conspiracy theory anymore. Yeah. It, that was happening. A yeah. coordinated conspiracy to burn churches.
0: And it's very likely that Notre Dame was oh France, as well, Some deliberately, deliberately of them set on fire. Um, and you know, leaving aside religion, um, or any beliefs or anything like that. These buildings are, are are beautiful buildings, you know, painstakingly built, and they're, you know, they're, they represent, uh, you know, uh, uh, better times, let's say, and a place where people can go, you know, for a bit of solitude or, or, or reflection or whatever, you know. And for them to be burned down, and especially if it, you know, if it if it ends up being some kind of an emig- an immigrant, uh, the blame is pinned on, or so, you know, again, you didn't get into, you know, state state uh, involvement and in those kind of things, you know what I mean, where um, people will be put up to burning down churches and stuff to inflame tensions, because obviously the whole immigration thing is still burning in the UK and in Europe uh, as a general rule. And of course, American immigration is an issue. For some reason, it's been an issue uh, for, for quite a long time. Um, well, and it's a, it's a fracture point there where it could be easily yeah. stoked within,
1: within society. Right. Deep state actors. Well, don't be afraid to suggest that because remember, it's kosher now. This is Bloomberg speculating that uh, Mr. Koran burner in Sweden is a Russian agent, so to hell if if, if it 's fair game, then we can speculate that the CIA and m i six some dude. and uh, Mossad are doing similarly. This is obviously bullshit, so this is the spat over um, turkey 's reluctance for Sweden to become a member of nato mm-hmm. so there 's one Koran burning incident with this guy I forget his name R- Rasmus Palodan something. Mm. Then he does it again this week, I, in front of the Turkish embassy, something like that. Mm-hmm. I won't show a video of it, but the video has, there's a police cordon around him mm-hmm. protecting him yeah. as he goes about it. Burning the Clearly, it's meant to be antagonistic to Turkey. Yeah. Now, Finland goes and sees that and goes, but that's not good. We cannot go alone. We need to go into this together with Sweden, right? No, no, we are too small. So, Finland's like grappling for, who's doing this? They have good, they're right. It's intentional. Mm-hmm. So they go, well, it must be Russia because Russia wants to stop us, Finland, and Sweden from joining NATO. It wants to. More likely, it's provocative Western intelligence. I think the clue might have been uh, Walrus faced Bolton threatening to kick Turkey out of NATO. They mm-hmm. see what's coming. It won't be that Sweden isn't allowed into NATO because Turkey vetoes it. Mm-hmm. They're going to overrule Turkey's veto. I suspect and force them to say, are you with us or against us? I think it's Turkey that's leaving. Mm -hmm. There's a rumor this week in Turkey. Someone, Mm -hmm. high official said, Mm -hmm. we've got about six months left in NATO. Mm. We may leave. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mayhem, mayhem. Meanwhile, mayhem in Memphis. What in the hell happened here? Did you see that? The killing of a kid, Tyre Nichols.
0: Yeah. Five cops. Racist cops. Again. (laughs) It's all about the, yeah, the racist cops being... Attacking black black kids. Those white racist cops. Oh, hang on. All five of them are black. Yeah. Well, that's just it it exposes the it exposes, the new, it exposes the nuanced mm. nature of that debate of, of police brutality, which, you know, obviously can is a problem, uh, maybe getting worse because of just the general degradation of Western society and corruption and all sorts of, uh, from an authority from the top down
1: into police forces. Um, Nuances indeed. This is how nuanced you have to be to understand it. This is a take from an expert in America. He reckons that, anyone who says the killing of Tyre Nichols can't be about racism because the cops were also black really doesn't understand how white supremacy or anti-blackness work. Mm.
2: I, I, yeah,
0: I, I, mean, I think I understand how it works. Look at that, 4 million I, I see, views. I, I think I understand how, how it works, at least if if, I'm, if if my assumption of what he's saying is right, is that um, white supremacy and anti-blackness infect black cops as well so they become self-hating oh, well, blacks. They,
1: yeah they said uh, white supremacy is a mind virus right
0: so it infects infects black people as well to the point that they become uh, racist towards black people yeah um and and they start to see black people as prone to crime and violence and and therefore they have to be dealt with with a with a more heavy hand uh so but it's all it's got nothing to do with the black cops themselves. they're victims in a certain sense, you know, those cops should get be, be let off because they're victims of white supremacy. They're victims of white supremacy. Mm. It's the white people who have negatively influenced the minds of those black cops to attack one of quote unquote their own. Mm. Uh, so the, the responsibility lies at the doors of, door of white people. Uh, so you should probably put five white cops in prison as proxies for those five black cops. Right. That'll be justice. And and give them five statues. Right. A statue of them beating that poor guy. Outside Capitol Hill. Anyway, um, something like that. This is the kind uh, of bullshit that people come with. I mean, obviously,
1: but it did the issue. like We were hammering on before wokiness took over things. The US had, the cops are violent. They are freaking like, this insane. That just doesn't happen Someone in another are. country. Outside of the US, you don't get your head kicked into your dead mm. in general. You don't get shot. No matter what he'd done, it. they had him under control. I don't know what was he wanted for. I don't. I didn't even look at it. Yet, Not much. Whatever yet. he's wanted for, they have him. There's no need to beat the shit out of mm. him at that point. So, no, it, just- there's a police problem, 100%. There's like this but there's something brutal about the U.S. though. Isn't it interesting also, this is Memphis. This is Memphis, Tennessee, where all the shit kicked off with segregationism in the 1950s in the U.S. I mean, there are many stories of five white cops beating the shit out of someone black. And you, it, it applied then. It's understandable where anti-racism emerged mm-hmm. from because of
2: the optics what happened,
1: yeah. of what was going on back then. But now we're in Memphis 70 years later. It's still the same, but the faces have changed. Mm-hmm. What does so what that tell so you? So was like it that? ever a race problem? Right. Is, is the violence coming from something else? Well, it's just violence, no
0: violent tendencies, aggressive, violent tendencies uh, amongst any uh, people of any race, creed, or uh, color. So
1: there's just <sighs> some, some rioting is coming out of that. Uh, a People bit, are burning yeah. a bit, you know. Antifa's called for war, burn it all down. Yeah, uh, cop cars being burned in LA, and not as much as there could New have been York. if there were white cops. But no, absolutely. This isn't the George Floyd moment, but no. Um, one on, more, on, yeah, yeah, related story, same story. Go on, related. Well, there are three mass shootings in California last week. Mm. Um, one happened actually prior to our show, we just didn't get time to mention it. Um, Let's have a look at this one first. Monterey, California. Monterey, Ele- Mon- How do you pronounce it? Monterey, Monterey. Eleven dead in mass shooting um, at Chinese New Year street celebration. People saw that, I'm sure. Okay. No, d- that report probably doesn't have the perpetrator. No, they do. Authorities identify this is so This is a follow up report. A 72 year old man. Um. Then there was another mass shooting nearby. Well, near nearby in relative terms, about a hundred miles away. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see. Am I reading? I've got some text in front of me. I'm not sure if it's this article. Can you do a word search for um, descent? No, it's not here. Okay, but anyway, I can't remember this. Is, I think this is an AP write-up. Okay, so there's, there's been that was the first one. And then nearby, oh, Half Moon Bay. This happened Monday, so after we last talked. Residents of two separate communities now, the first one in Monterey and Half Moon Bay, are reeling after two mass shootings in three days, which claimed 18 people's lives and injured 10 more. Um, Okay, 18 together in those two. Both alleged shooters were men of Asian descent over the age of 60. We saw that the, the, one of the first one was 72.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's, no white, there's no whitey going postal thing here. They both are Asian themselves. I presume that means East Asian like Chinese or from Indochina over the age of 60. That's odd. Here's another odd stat. Police said the victims of the second of those shootings, Half Moon Bay, were both Asian and Hispani, Hispanic farm workers. Okay, the reason I mentioned that second detail is because then four days ago this happened. California in morning again after a third mass shooting in eight days. Okay, so this time surely it was whitey. No. Um, An agricultural worker, remember the farm workers in the Mm -hmm. second one? An agricultural worker killed seven people at the farm where he worked. Officer arrested a suspect
0: in Monday shooting. 67-year-old Chun Li Zhao.
1: <clears throat> what the hell's going on there? 72, 60-some, 60 and 67. All, All Asian. Asian. That's fucking bizarre. I'm not saying they're necessarily connected. This could be like a, one of those reality quirks, like something is just setting certain people off, mm-hmm. Like and off they go. Bonkers. Yeah. But the fact that there are farm working connections maybe it does it does it a bit more than a quirk they're all working on cannabis farms they're all smoking the weed and the weeds making them violent <laughs> I know weed makes you peaceful and loving. it does yeah peace man actually that's bullshit you're right the statistics studies show that uh, it's the opposite mm. which is perfect because <laughs> they want everyone smoking weed these days. What to pass? Well, it pacifies, but it also for a while makes you until angry. it builds up. Okay,
0: suppresses your emotions until they build up and explode in some kind of a postal going postal situation. Uh, I have to go back to Bill Gates. I'm sorry. I know, uh, um, Jesus. I, it you can't see his moves in this one, so it's all right. Okay, don't worry. I know the moves traumatize you, uh, but here he is <laughs> just on a quick.
1: Uh, What's that supposed to mean? <laughs>
0: moves.
4: <laughs> uh,
0: I know, but, but Bill Gates' moves traumatize everybody. Okay, they? they're not alone in it. Like Jesus Christ. I mean, it's horrific, you know? And that man gives health advice to people. Uh, here is the reptilian, I mean...
1: He's uh, America's delegates. doctor.
0: Yeah, here he is. He's telling me about the COVID vaccines. You know COVID vaccines that he told everybody to get and how awesome they were a year or two ago? The thing, yeah. The, the thing things yeah. that he told everybody to get and how... Yeah, here he is. Quick the update. The
1: vaccines are not infection blocking. Okay. Uh, they're not broad. So when new okay. variants come up, you lose protection. And they have okay. very short duration, uh, particularly okay. in the people who matter, which are
3: old people. Okay. And every okay, that's one good. of those things is, is fixable. Uh, in fact, doing With that more work is going to help vaccinology very, very mm. broadly.
0: Uh, so you mean like doing that work in terms of like like testing these, these dodgy thingies on people uh, and finding out that they didn't actually work? And uh, maybe causing certain side effects that you know, maybe possibly leading, have led to the large increase in in uh, excess mortality across the world, really at this mm-hmm. point, uh, as shown by government statistics uh, that nobody has an explanation for. Uh, but that's all good because that'll help us to make better thingies later when we'll save lives. When we will eventually come good on our promise to eventually save some lives but in the meantime people are gonna die whatever uh, <laughs> <sighs> uh twitter files dropped last thing i have is twitter files dropped um a couple of days ago um pretty interesting actually not very long matt tybee go and check it out in, on on twitter number 15 twitter files number 15 basically yeah uh, if you didn't know already, <laughs> hard evidence that the whole Russian collusion, uh, uh, interfering in our election, Russian bots, all that kind of stuff—absolutely, one hundred percent false. There was a group called um, something sixty-eight. What was it called? Uh, Hamilton
1: sixty-eight.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, this kind of website and group
1: that, who it were, was who were exposing. Realistic council. They were basically front. going.
0: They, yeah, they were basically Latin council. Yeah, they were basically going around looking at any website. Any, any Twitter account or any person anywhere, but often on, on social media and Twitter, who said anything, uh, that did not fit with, uh, anything pro Trump, anything even middling, anything centrist, anything that didn't fully agree with, uh, the Russian collusion, Russian stealing our election narrative and, Flagging them to Twitter, trying to get Twitter to uh, ban them. And producing, the main thing they produced, Hamilton 68, by doing this was writing, you know, providing large amount of false, dubious, crap, bullshit information, labeling obviously American or Western based individual Twitter account holders who were just saying the wrong thing as Russian bots, and then producing like vast amounts of media stories. On it, that the media then took up
1: and propagated. Uh, to, to, to force, to cause pressure back on Twitter execs and staff yeah. and even, to do he, something about but it. But even Twitter He's execs said. go on
0: hang, like, in the third, uh, the third tweet in the, in the last Twitter files release, he says, uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a, uh, an email that's quoted from a screenshot of the email inside Twitter saying that these people falsely accuses a bunch of legitimate right-leaning accounts of being Russian bots. Uh, virtually any conclusion drawn from it will take conversations in conservative circles on Twitter and accuse them of being Russian. Uh, these are quotes by Twitter executives about Hamilton sixty eight, saying that these people are, you know, t- t- to a certain extent, to old Twitter's credit, they were they had a limit to the kind of bullshit and uh, patently false allegations that they that that were being made about content on on their platform by these basically Washington establishment think tank bullshit artists who are driving the whole Russia collusion thing, which was, you know, we can say at this point was 100% false. And we said it at the time, and then we went with any sense, said it at the time, but there was a lot of people who didn't believe it and believed the Russian collusion thing. But that Russia collusion thing, whether you know it or not, whether you're willing to accept it or not, was 100% false. There was no substance to it whatsoever. Now try and remember just how much... Media space it took at the time, how much of the information sphere it dominated at the time, and it was one hundred exactly, and it was one hundred percent false. All of it was false. So that should be it should serve people if you can get your head around it and accept it, and you know, kill that sacred cow. Uh, It should serve you for future uh, or for when you're looking at anything going on in the media and the news today. That there's massive vested interests and agendas going all the time that very often involve. Complete 100% fabricated lies that are pushed out there as truth I'm and carried by reputable reputable media outlets who then don't retract it afterward, don't say sorry afterward. Yeah. They just go, Yeah, that's, uh, that was just, uh, anyway, what's going on? No, what, about, about,
1: but, what about Putin? <laughs> it must be true. There's Wikipedia pages on it now. Um, yeah. Well, if they're really smart, they'll go one step further and they'll think, So everything we said or believe in. On any of the issues that they said, or Russian disinformation, they've ideologically linked with the kinds of things Russia says. Therefore, Russia's telling the truth about a whole spread of things. Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah. That means the West is run by an empire of lies.
0: Empire of lies. And also, they're right. Yeah, and and the West, the US, the UK in particular, are much closer to, uh, North Korea in terms of their, so, their, their attitude towards information and their lockdowns and clampdowns and restrictions on, on information, on what people can and can't talk about and think. They're much closer to North Korea than they are to South Korea, for example. And that might uh, be harsh on North Korea. It might be as well, yeah. But in terms of how they depict North Korea, they're much closer yeah, to, it. indeed. Uh, like, for example, this is, of it. the last one here is, this is, um, it's a big brother watch out UK. They have uncovered some documents about Whitehall, which is, you know, the seat of the British government. Civil in, service. In, uh, inside Whitehall's Ministry of Truth, there were secretive anti-information teams that conducted mass domestic political monitoring. The Key findings are anti-fake news units in the Cabinet Office spent much of their time monitoring social media for political dissent under the guise of counter-disinformation work. Mm-hmm. Labour leader Keir Starmer and conservative MPs. David and, Davis. and Peter Hitchens. Uh, Peter Hitchens, Julia Hartley Brewer, who's a radio host. Yeah. They all came under uh, scrutiny and had files kept on them. Soldiers from the Army 77th Brigade, which we've talked about before, collated tweets from British citizens about COVID-19 at the start of the pandemic and passed them to the Cabinet Office. Troops also conducted sentiment analysis about the government's COVID-19 response. The Rapid Response Unit pressured Whitehall Department to attack newspapers for publishing articles analyzing COVID-19 modeling that it feared would affect compliance with pandemic restrictions. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and these,
1: that, these people sleep comfortably at night. And the, 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 these, be, was, the, these
0: the, people... Can. Yeah, the Brits were doing the same. It says the counter information unit had a special relationship with social media companies that it used to recommend content to be removed. So doing exactly the same thing as, as, as the U.S. was the washington establishment was doing as revealed in the twitter files that we were just talking about the brits were doing exactly the same thing um, and despite the fact that everything that people were they're saying all fascist think,
1: you're fascist you lot
0: yeah the only thing that didn't happen they were just dr- drawing up and of course they were having an impact they were drawing up all this uh or they were collating all of this evidence of you know dissenters in, amongst the population mm. on social media and you know they didn't arrest them i mean there's the one step from they didn't go as far as putting them in the gulag or putting them in, in prison for their for their wrong think, but they definitely used all that information that they saw as people telling the truth, basically. Mm-hmm. They didn't like that, that the people were telling the truth about a certain situation, about lockdowns, etc. Um, so they, you know, used that information, gauged the kind of public sentiment saw who was maybe gaining some popularity in a certain perspective, like being anti-lockdown and showing, you know, evidence why it was a bad idea, why it was totalitarian, tyrannical. And they used that then to kind of like influence the media, which they obviously have the big influence of the media, to kind of discredit those people via the media, you know, calling them anti-lockdown, anti-vax, whatever, anti-crackpot. you know,
1: Part of a death cult. That was a big spread of a campaign.
0: Crackpot theorists and all that kind of stuff. So, um... Yeah, I mean, it's not putting you in prison for, but it's negating the ability for the average person to, and and groups of people and influential people from having a voice uh, uh, that can reach their fellow citizens, telling them the truth about what government is doing and how, and and that government is doing doing things that are nefarious and that are bad for the population. Anybody who tries to say that gets shut down, basically. That's a voice shut down.
1: Which has, yeah, which has an effect on their income. Right. They cannot. If you can't sustain a living doing it, then you have to do something else. Right. That's the idea economically. It's it's sanctions to use the term uh, BB said about imposing on Palestinians. It's interesting that he used that term as well because I've I've seen it pop up in uh, COVID response measures as well. So how do we sanction people, yeah, sanctioning Russia, sanctioning dissidents. Again, the same language used against both. Mm-hmm. They want to make sure you don't. Have a voice. you have you have to do something else? You've got to either say other things or go get a job. Yeah. There's no way you're going to be uh, working against us so flagrantly. Yeah. We won't. have the microphone, and you shut up. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I've got. You got anything else? Um. No, just what the hell? New Zealand flooding? Yes, yeah. intense. Yeah, some nice um,
0: flooding in North North Island. Has it yep. stopped now? I just Paradise. heard it was raining and raining and raining and raining. Yeah, we got some. Bodacious flooding, so uh, cool. i like, okay. like to see a bit of flooding.
1: That's it, really. Um, I'm, yeah. But it was an asteroid near miss. <laughs> no, it wasn't.
0: You know what I want to say, but did anybody even pay attention to that? Asteroid. I did. I
1: opened my phone and the headline was like, Asteroid to Hit Earth Friday. I thought, shit, that's pretty in your face. And then you read, oh, right, it's going to be a near miss. Yeah. What's the with the headline?
0: It was the fourth closest pass. It was about three to eight meters, so about, you know, 10 to 20 feet or whatever, 10 to 25 feet wide. A little space rock uh, coming pretty close, supposedly within a few thousand kilometers, a few thousand miles, a couple of thousand miles of the surface of the Earth. And uh, they say, but don't worry. Even if it were to actually impact, uh, you know, to be on a course with the surface of the Earth, it would just burn up as a as a kind of fairly flashy kind of fireball. So no big deal. And I'm like, have they? Does nobody know about all of the sightings over the the, the stark increase in the number of sightings of those kind of big? And I'm not talking about shooting stars here. I'm talking about like fireballs flying through, you know, the relatively low for at least uh, several uh, seconds atmosphere. Or, or yeah for several seconds and and breaking up into a string, you know, a stream, there's, there's videos all over social media and on websites. And there's a, there's a meteorite kind of sightings network that you can look at graphs that show that there's been an increase AMS in, you know, data, over the, yeah. Yeah, over the AMS over the past, uh, you know, 10, 15 years. And it's not to do with the pre, pre, preponderance of the, the, the number of cell phones or people recording it, because that hasn't really changed in the places where, where these are being seen, but they're seen all over the world. And, um, so they said, don't worry, it would just burn up. This thing that was going to, was, was all the news kind of thing for a day or two there. Don't worry, it'll just burn up if it, if it were to be on a course with, with the planet. But it's like, and they're saying, it's okay, that's not going to happen. Yet that is happening and has been happening on an increasing scale almost every week or some, at the very least once a month, some major, uh, fireball like that is, is recorded. And, and they say nothing about those. So it's like, what's your, you don't have a story here. You are showing us this little little space rock with many of its brothers and sisters actually flying into our atmosphere and some of them actually hitting the ground and being found uh repeatedly for you know for years now. And you want to talk about that one that's not going to give us that display while all these other ones do? What
1: I think I think they were bigging up the fact that they had spotted it beforehand. Yeah. so Conveying the message between the lines, we've got complete control over what's coming and going no, except that's don't. even
0: worse like I've been saying there's all these ones coming in yeah. that are doing more than that one that yeah. you're talking about does i.e. they actually enter the atmosphere and burn up And but but because you don't notice them because it's only people with cell phone cameras who are out at night spot them because you have no clue that they're happening you don't talk about them only talk about the one that you found that isn't actually going to put on any kind of display get out of here like douchebags anyway um Yeah, that's all I got. And that's all we got, I think. So, yeah, we're going to leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for listening, watching, commenting. Don't forget to smash all the buttons. We'll be back next week with another show. So until then, have a good week. See
1: you later. See you next week. Bye, everyone.
3: Can't stop the signal now.